Welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast. Discussing topics of personal growth, gathering stories of individuals embarked on the path to success, and most importantly, providing a platform for individuals that want to learn and grow. And now, here are your hosts, Jake Ingledew and John Mitchell. Do you have a property that is in rough condition, has tenant issues, or a project that never got finished? Then you need to contact Homelink Properties. This Springfield, Missouri-based company will give you a fair cash offer on your property, completely as is, the same day you reach out. If you're an investor, Homelink Properties can also put your house in front of hundreds of cash buyers so that you too can quickly sell your property. Give them a call today, 417 417- Two nine five zero seven two three. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Growth Circle Podcast. Super excited about today's guest, uh, John Mitchell. How you doing? That's my co-host. What's up, Jake? Good, man. How you doing? Good. You? Good. So today's guest. Normally we in a we'll bio in the the guest, but today we're gonna let him do a brief bio for us. But today we uh, have Andrew Newland on the podcast. Welcome, dude. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Oh, and by the way, you'll just have to talk directly into the mic. Directly into it, like yeah. this. Like <laughs> yeah. I own it. Yeah, like yep. this. Kiss it. Make out. All right. We're good. <laughs> We're good to go. All right, so bio about yeah, me? Yeah, tell us okay. br- like, where, what you got going on right now. Yeah. And basically how you got there and uh, how you got into real estate and let's just the whole sh- the whole yeah. shebang. The, the whole shebang. shebang. Yeah. yeah. Whole shebang. Um, well, I, I'm here local, Springfield, Missouri. Um, I own Ozarks House Buyers, and then I own a company down in Texas, uh, Property Partner Solutions, or 806 House Buyers. Really? So we actually operate here in Springfield and Lubbock, Texas. So are you doing the same thing there, too? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So full team operating both both markets. Okay. Um, and then, uh, let's see, born and raised here in Springfield, grew up and graduated in Nixa. And then uh, right out of high school, I joined the Army Reserves, went on a deployment, came back, and um, went to school, Missouri State, and then did uh, a year or two, and then went on another appointment, or deployment, came back, finished my schooling, and uh, realized I didn't want to do anything with my career or the degree I was going for. Um, what were you originally going for? Criminology. Oh. Like in like were you thinking about becoming a cop, too? Uh, like federal law enforcement, yeah. which is cool, and I thought it would yeah. be cool, but um, I, I think I got that adrenaline out of my body, yeah. out of my system, and it's just kind of like... You know. I, I think it's a young man phase because that's like yeah. literally why I went in the military and did security forces because I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I want to do be a cop, do SWAT, do all that yeah. stuff, and then yeah. like work my way up and yada yada yada. And then I like decided that wasn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to go in the military all my life. <clears throat> um, you know, I I vividly remember telling my preschool teacher I held up one of those little army guys, mm-hmm. the plastic army guys off the Toy Story or whatever. He said I want to be army when I grow up, and I never let go of that. You know, my wife or not my wife, my mom wanted me to be a, vet- a veterinarian and tried to persuade me to do different things and. And so I just thought it would be the evolution, Army, and then um, law enforcement. And I got out of the system, went through uh, college, and I mean, I enjoyed it. I just didn't know. I was clueless in really what I wanted in life at mm-hmm. that point. And uh, I had done some projects for a friend of mine. His dad owned a bunch of rental properties in the area. And so I saw what he was being able to you know, achieve through that and stuff. And um, uh, I have a former business partner that we started this together. And uh, he comes from a background of remodeling. So mm-hmm. remodel all of his life. His dad owns a remodeling company and stuff. And so we just saw the opportunity and said, hey, let's buy a couple of houses, remodel them, keep them as rentals. And uh, we did one or two at a time, refinanced them, did another one or two and refinanced. We did about six of those. And then uh, we went to one of those boot camps to come into town, you know, get rich fast, you know, things that clearly work very well. And, um, and uh, 
Dry, dry that was sarcasm. Yeah, that, that was definitely sure sarcasm. That understand yeah. that, that was sarcasm. I, I got some very dry, sarcastic humor. So we'll light, light we we could bit. tell because we're in person. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyways, uh, but what we did realize is like, you know, this term wholesale is thrown out there. And we mm -hmm. never want to be a wholesale or anything. But uh, we did what they taught us to do as far as marketing. We went back and I think uh, we put out like 25 bandit signs at the time. Mm -hmm. And our phones were off the hook. And we're talking to all these people that were calling in. And. And I remember standing there, I was an electrician at the time, writing on one of the studs, seller's information. Okay, 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 well, I'll be there tomorrow at 3. And he goes, I want someone out here today at 1 or whatever. And, and so it was quickly realized we weren't going to be able to grow while working somewhere else. So mm -hmm. we wholesaled a house just to get that proof of concept done and had, you know, just – it wasn't a lot of money. But to us, it was enough at the time that we could last three or four months without, you know, going broke, right. essentially. And so I said, uh, let's give it three or four months to figure out what we can do. And give it a shot because we can always go back to our jobs, and we did. We did that, and then that was in 2000. So we bought our first house in 2013, um, fired our bosses in 2015, and have been nonstop since. That's awesome. Wait, <coughs> so, so you were you were an electrician when all this when you started the business, and yeah. then you were doing bandit signs. Is that the only type of marketing that you were doing? Uh, bandit signs and then. Letters, send okay. out letters, and, and it was. And were you handwriting those, or were you using we, platforms? To we use a platform at the time that okay. they. It was um, it was handwritten ink. It looked very yeah, good. Was the ballpoint? No, no, okay. it wasn't. No, this is well before that technology okay, was gotcha. out. But it was the best ink that we found out gotcha. there. So at the time, it was definitely best. I mean, it looked very real, very convincing. And we made stupid. I mean, I, I put, you know, stupid mistakes. I put my own cell phone number on it. We sent like, <laughs> like 200 letters uh -huh. in one day. And like, well, let's just see what happens, right? And, and learned a lot. But, yeah, we got a couple of deals done off of that. And then That's just awesome. slowly progressed over the years. So you got your start doing basically wholesaling. Uh, or you six, were using that six, to generate leads. Yeah, we bought six houses before we started wholesaling. Oh, that's yeah. right. You did, you yeah. Were and they were all, six yeah. So they, I bought two from a wholesaler, two off market, and then two from direct sellers. And then from that point forward, it went all, um, you know, we, we started wholesale as a means to an end. So we would wholesale a deal to keep a deal. Gotcha. It's just so we can keep, so we fire our bosses, so we quit our job and stuff. And so we, we did that for a while. And then we started doing some flips. And then we um, started hiring people and realized well, we can build a system around this. Uh -huh. And that's when we went full-time wholesaling. Like we had a full team that started working for it. And then we've progressed out of the years. So we're more, we're just a direct buyer. Like we'll gotcha. buy inventory and then we'll figure out the inventory. You know, every week that's my job. It's like, like what's our current inventory and what's the best use for each property? Gotcha, right. gotcha. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about, because I want to talk about that decision you made to just kind of start jumping into it. But before I do, yeah. can you tell the listeners where you guys are at now? Like, um, give us some like numbers, some stats, like how well your company is doing. Because yeah. we know just from being in the investor world, like your name gets brought up a lot because uh -huh. you're one of the big players around here. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about what you got going on? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't consider myself one of the big players. <laughs> the big players are very quiet. Like you don't know who they are. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, and I hate bragging about numbers because I, I think numbers can be misperceived and, mm -hmm. you know, but it is what it is. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Last year we did 139 deals between the two markets. This year will easily hit two to two twenty between wow. the two markets. Um, I am entering a, a, an agreement, a business agreement, to add three more markets to that. Um, we have a team of eight here in Springfield, five in Lubbock, and I just hired operations manager to help me run everything. Uh -huh. um, have forty to forty five rental properties, two vacation rentals down in Branson. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
Let us no, know that's that. that's great. No, I, the reason why I wanted you to talk about like how well things are going now is because I want to go back to that decision that you made. Yeah. Where you said, uh, we're like basically like, I feel like a lot of people that they say they want to start a business or want to do this, want to do that, but they're so afraid of taking that initial step or that action. Yeah. And they got they, like, I like what you did. You're like, worst case scenario, we can come back to our jobs. Yeah. Like worst case scenario, yeah. we're going to do the same freaking thing we're doing now. But that's not true for everyone. Right. Like I, I you can, I, my buddy, <clears throat> um, my former partner was working for his dad. Mm-hmm. And then I was an apprentice electrician for his brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like they weren't going to take us back. Right. And we were very clear what we were doing. We're like, hey, you know, we want to quit. Um, to build this and we were very confident at that point you know we've been buying or remodeling our houses for a year and a half almost two years and we're surrounded by a good community um, but if you've got a career as a principal at a school or something and like if you walk away from that yeah. give your two weeks in or if you can't get that job back then you know, it's, the risk was different for us we were I don't know how old I was at the time it was uh, early 20s and so was he so I mean that's that's true that's a valid point no kids I guess, weren't married I guess the thing is though is you could always go back to a W-2 job like yeah. you know what I mean like Special, especially now, right? Yeah. We're, yeah. Everyone's hurting for employees. Right. So, yeah, I guess right now it might actually work out for your benefit if you had to quit and find yeah. a new job and get paid more. So a majority of what you're doing right now, is it is it wholesaling flips or it's a little bit of everything? Like what kind of – if you – I don't know if you know off the top yeah. of your head, but is there like a breakdown of percentage, like 50% flips, 20% wholesaling? Yeah, whatnot? we're right at 40% wholesale in Springfield. Okay. About 40% flip and the rest would be rental. So that would be awesome. about 20%. And then in um, – Texas, it's ninety percent wholesale and five to ten percent are flipping. Gotcha. Yeah. Why real estate though? Like, why? What got you into real estate? Like, what was the initial? I literally purpose? stumbled into it. Really? I had no desire. Um, I was just working on some houses, and my my, my friend, the, 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 his dad had the rental properties. Like, he was friends with several others. Uh huh. Um, and so I was exposed to them through the church and everything, and. I saw the wealth that they're building, the success, and it wasn't the house. Like, it had nothing to do with because back then social media was nothing, right? So you weren't seeing like all these gurus posting stuff or all these people successful. Like I, I bought five houses last week and everything. So it, the draw wasn't real estate; it was the the freedom and the wealth that you behind it, right? right. And I was young and um, very open to you know possibilities and stuff. And I think working on the houses, um, I just got comfortable with that strategy. Yeah. Um, even to this day, like I get excited to see after stuff, but like. I mean, the majority of our projects, I don't even see them afterwards. Really? Like, um, you know, I, I, and in fact, you know, I've got two sales reps in Springfield and one in Lubbock, and their job are to buy the houses. They're ones that negotiate the offers and everything. So half the time, I don't ever see the house. Really? To me, it's just, it's an item. You know, it's an inventory that we so use. So there's no emotion really. attached to it, you know? No, my emotion is the team, yeah. the business itself. What do you spend most of your time doing now since you've aligned people in those positions to take care of everything? Managing the team. Gotcha. Managing the team, managing the finances and inventory, um, being strategic with it. You know, I had to bring the operations manager on um, to help me with that. You know, I was failing in areas of just managing alone. And so ideally, he'll become more of the integrator. Um, he'll take the ideas, he'll implement them. Hold the team accountable. Make sure are we hitting these metrics that we should be hitting. I'll be more the visionary. Like, where are we going next with this? Yeah. You know, this strategy. How did you find a good integrator? Because I feel like uh, we've talked about this on previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a, I'm totally a visionary. Yeah. I'm not a very detailed guy. Yeah. I need an integrator. Yeah. Like, how did you go about finding your guy? Um, was and it was word of mouth or it was, luck? Or? It was crazy. I, uh, I fight, you know, teeth and nail to get sales reps. Like, yeah. it is so stinking hard to get, you know, Salespeople, especially, it's like the third hardest industry to hire for right now. Uh-huh. Um, so I had pretty low expectations. I posted it on Indeed 
and within the first week that's it just indeed no other sites i didn't get on facebook i i, I think i posted once about it uh-huh. that was it and um within a week i had to shut it down because i was having so many qualified resumes coming in uh-huh. and i was having phone calls with people and setting like actual in-person interviews which that ratio was so high compared to normal uh-huh. um and my first three or four in-person interviews, everyone I'm like, yep, 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 I'd hire each. So I realized it was literally for the first time in my hiring career, I was going to have to choose between people uh-huh. versus like, okay, you'll work. Right. Um, I know that sounds horrible, but it, it was, it's just a different experience. Did you so, have to look through everybody at, through a different lens? Like, were you able to come up with like a way to filter through those candidates or were you just kind of uh, firing from the hip and trying to figure it out as you went along? Both. <clears throat> um, I've been talking about this for a year now. And we, as a team, got serious about November-ish. Like, hey, this is our, this is one of our big, we call them rocks in our company, but a rock is anything that we want to achieve over the next 90 days to get you, to our year goal. Have you read? Um, yeah. Okay. Rock, is it, uh, which book is that? Is that? Uh, Traction. Traction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Traction. We operate I off get, that. We've operated for years off of it. Okay. So you use the EOS system, yep. I guess? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Can we talk a little bit about how you built the systems? Like, was it, did you, did you just read this book and solely follow basically what it says? Or talk about how you were able to build, scale your business to where it is today. So in 2015, when we went full-time, we were hustlers. So I mean, we were literally just buying a house at a time here and there. We did everything. Josh and I, we did the whole thing. Were you the only two at that time? Yep. Okay. Yep, the only two. And then there, there was another company in town that we partnered with. Like we, like, hey, let's join forces. Let's you know see what we can do. You can bring to the table. We can bring to the table. <clears throat> and um, they did have some some employees, um, and so we were able to like leverage that and, and realize like, okay, there's you know what does it look like to have an employee? What does it look like to start getting systems in place? That partnership only lasted for about six months, and then mm. we kind of got out of it. And then as soon as we got out of it, we started hiring right then. So it was about 2000, late 2016 was when we went into the partnership. So 2017, um, we started hiring and we treated it like a business at that point. And mm-hmm. so, it, it, I mean, it started off, you know, small, you know, finding um, what we call the lead manager, the inside sales rep or the inside sales associate. You know, the person that sets the appointments, takes all the phone calls, steals mm-hmm. phone calls, follows up with people. And, and they kind of, at that time, served as an assistant as well, just taking stuff off our plate. Right. And the next step was uh, hire a sales manager. And after that point, then we had to structure these meetings a little bit better. So the previous partnership they were running on eos to a degree and they self-implemented <clears throat> and i went and read the book and then revised it the way i saw it and then beginning of last year we actually hired a coach to come in really? and take it to the next level so it's like you know there's progressions to that within itself mm-hmm. um but it's just getting the systems down to place like the, the hardware itself like you know what what um CRM system we're going to use, how are we going to structure our meetings, how are we going to structure ourselves on files and things like that, and then the processes, like how are you going to make an offer and how am I going to underwrite the offer and who's right. going to dispose of that offer and, and so forth. So it's just trial and error over the years. Yeah. Do you feel like the coach has been beneficial? I've yeah. been to events where um, even with pest control, because like they call it pest world, and they had an EOS representative there. And yeah. You could get the mentoring and the coaching and stuff, and yeah. I considered it, but I was like, eh, and I just didn't do it. You know, any type of coaching and mentorship is it's it's a hard, and a hard area to look at, right? Because you will get an ROI mm-hmm. with the right person, and you have to be the right person too, right? You can't right. just take all this information and just expect change, right? So, I think coaches need to qualify their students just as much as you should coach, but there should be an ROI there. Right. It's just hard to measure. Measure, right? Yeah. You, you can't measure it. So it's got to be one of those things. That you just got to feel better about your business and stuff. Um, this one specifically, I think it went well because for years we were 
battling like processes mm-hmm. and like actually written articulate processes. And we started that process with them in June. And to this day, we've got eight or nine processes. So our, our entire company, A to Z, is completely processed out. Like I can pull it up on my laptop right now and show you guys. Really? And it would make sense to a, de- to a very finite degree what happens when this happens when this happens. Really? Furthermore, each of those processes, we have a procedure underneath of that. And so if I hired you right now today and said, hey, this process right here is how to calculate the ARV of a house, uh-huh. you can click that, and there's a 20-step process or procedure on how, on to, how to do it. How yeah. did you, did you build all that out? My, my team did. Yeah. We, we just meticulously went through it. So every Friday morning, we have it's called Foundation Friday. We took that from our coach, that's so it's not trademarked or whatever. Um, and and uh, we spent an hour. Either we're building. So at the beginning, it was building these processes. So we sit there with an app called Lucid Charts. And then we just step one, what's, what's, you know, lead comes in. All right, what happens now? He answered the phone, what happens now? We set the point, what happens now, right? And we just keep going. And then so we had a very loose process at the beginning. And then every week we started reviewing these processes. Uh-huh. And so the rule is when we sit down, it's like what's, first thing is what did not go well this last week? Mm-hmm. What's one thing about a process is that, you know, John, you didn't do this step over here. Well, let's analyze this. Not, not so much as it, you didn't do it because you weren't supposed to or you didn't do it because we don't need to do it. Is this something we need to remove? Is this something that's hard? Is there a step before that should be done to make your step easier? So we started doing that over the course of the last 52 weeks. So we really fine-tuned that. And then we went through each of those processes and said, who does each of these steps? And they went in there and built the procedure out. Itself. Gotcha. So. This reminds me of two-second lane a little it bit. It does, yeah. But, it, but I, I, there's a, another guy I listened to on a podcast, and he uses the term just to – and he created a culture of where people are always trying to create efficiency. It's like yeah. what, how do, even if you already have a process and a procedure, how can you – make that even better right so and that's the stage we're in now it's like leaning it up right yeah some of my processes are huge it's like it would take up your whole wall mm-hmm. so now it's cool now let's lean it back up and make it towards efficient it makes sense to a new person that's right? sweet how Just, did you how did you start building your teams when you first were getting started and it was you and your partner yeah when did you know it was time to start growing and how did you start putting your team together you never know. Like everyone thinks there's going to be a moment you're going to wake up like, okay, I can afford it today. Today is the day, right? Um, anyone has hired an employee before just knows that's not how it works. Like you almost have to go on the ledge knowing, hey, I've hit the ceiling and I know that if I put this employee in that we'll go past that ceiling. Right. So we kind of use that as a rule of thumb. Um, progression, um, you know, a lot. I've hired a lot of people the last couple of years or a lot to me, probably not a lot to bigger companies, but uh-huh. it's been a lot. Um, it, it transformed for us when I stopped looking at the job and the capability of the job, but the person and the fit for our team. So started focusing more on the people the aspect, the culture aspect, and their capacity to do well in anything they do. Uh, we're in an industry, you can't go out there and hire a lead manager, right? You, you just can't post it and it's like, oh, I hired a lead manager from McDonald's or something, right? It's just they don't exist, right? right? But if I find the right person that's coachable, has um, you know a high cognitive ability where they can soak things up quickly i can bring them and teach them anything as long as their core values match our core right. values. that reminds me of like what he was saying how does he say he says hire for character train for skill or something like that yeah. he says something like that yeah. but it's essentially the same principle yeah uh, do you do you have like a certain filter of, uh or a recruiting process to where you filter people through like based off of your core values and yeah. the vision of the company yeah so core values and vision don't enter later on but uh, we use a software called predictive index so it's a behavior profile so mm-hmm. if you've heard of disk yeah okay mm-hmm. so it's very similar to that but it's, it's a lot more in depth and it's actually has enough um, experience where you can actually legally fire and hire off of it so like disk you can't technically hire off of it right uh-huh. so if you're hiring off of it and someone wants to throw a stink about it you know you can get in trouble predictive index is a certified um, 
the assessment that you can use. Really? Yeah. And so, I mean, we, we subscribe to it every year and everything. And mm-hmm. um, so that's the very first step. So we, we gather resumes, which I don't care about resumes. Half of us lie on resumes. Yep. And right. so um, it's just a task. Did you do it? Yep. Um, I will, I'll glance at it. Like if it really, like I want a little more information, mm-hmm. but they immediately are sent to the predictive index link. There's two links. So we're measuring their behavior skills. So who are you as a person, right? Uh-huh. So um, think of sales. Do you want a salesperson doing a bookkeeping job? And do you want a bookkeeper doing a salesperson right, job? Right, yeah. Totally different people, right? So we can measure who the, those people are based on, you know, their, their level of assertiveness, the level of sociability, the level of um, steadiness, and the level of, like, flexibility, like, you know, how precise they are and stuff. And so we go through that, and then we set targets. Like, if they're within a certain range of these targets, that's good. And then we measure their cognitive scores. So not how smart they are, but how quickly can they learn something. Right. So each role is a little different, right? differently, right? Like from operations manager role, I wanted someone with a very high COG score mm-hmm. to step in because I need to be able to say, hey, here's an idea and know that he's going to take off running with it. Um, if you have someone that, that runs like a front desk that, you know, is, is got well well stated objectives, objectives and tasks to do, uh-huh. and it's, it's very clear what they need to do, then maybe they don't need a high enough COG score because they can figure out slower. Right. Does that makes sense. Is that pretty accurate as far as like that assessment it's crazy accurate really yeah okay yeah have you taken it yourself yep twice okay and both times spot on yeah okay it's awesome and and there's a lot to it like i had to go through training for it and everything like it's not Mm. just you sign up and like you have to understand how to analyze it and and that's still not good at it like i use the coaches to help us they're they're certified consultants on it gotcha um and so that's the first step and once they hit we look like an overall match uh-huh. So out of 10, we want anyone that's eight and a half and above. So that's just the first sweep. So mm-hmm. anyone above that gets a, depending on the position, we get a phone call. Um, and uh, after that phone call, we'll get an in-person interview. In between those two, if it's a salesperson, then I have them sell, fill out a sales assessment that we subscribe to. Okay. And so based on that, if they hit our parameters, then they'll come in for that interview. We do an interview with the team without me present. So everyone can let their hair down a little bit, be who they are. And now we're just looking for culture. Like gotcha. our, that's where the core values come out and we kind of test and prod that and say hey so you don't even let key leadership it's just like the whole team like get cool. a feel for whether everyone, they think that person's yep. gonna be a good fit or yeah. whatnot everyone but me yeah wow so i'm gone i'm out of the office they don't even see me when they show up they wow. do that and then um based on our collaboration after that now bring them in for a final interview and then we start talking more about goals um, if it's gonna be sales rep we'll do some role playing and then i push harder on core values at that time really yeah that's awesome yeah that's, that's a good a, process that's a good process so what else have you like what what are some key principles or, or things that you feel like you've done on a consistent consistent basis that has led to the success you've had so far? That's a that's a big question. Like personally or in my business? I would say let's talk about both because I okay. think uh, a lot of times we separate business from personal, but I yeah. we we've said this on the podcast multiple times. I really think a business is a vehicle to fund your personal vision. Yeah. So I like that. I've not heard that before, and I like that. Um, let's see. Personally, you know, taking time off when you need it. Um, you know, being intentional with time off. Let me say that. All right. So, like, I think we all have time off. We just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are eating dinner and sitting down and scrolling through your social media for 30 minutes and get up, like, oh, I got to go do something, that 30 minutes would be not different. If you would sit down and say, I'm going to give myself 30 minutes. Like, I'm going to take 30 minutes off. And if you decide then to score social media, that's fine. But when you get up, you felt like you did what something you wanted to do. Right. But you're probably not going to choose that. You're going to choose to 
<clears throat> spend time with your kids or go, go talk to your neighbor or clean up the yard or do something that's productive or leisurely. It doesn't matter, right? But you're intentional about it. Like, right. I, I think we have a lot more time than we realize. So th- that's big for me. Um, I have a morning routine that I've been doing for years now that was uh, life changing for me, almost life saving. Really? And so that that's that's big, you know, clearing my head every morning and getting that going. Would you be willing to share that? I'm a big fan of, of yeah. that kind of stuff. So um, well I, I took it from a book, Miracle Morning. Okay. So I already know what it is. <laughs> okay. Lifesavers. Yep. That, okay. That's a great it. So book. It's that. And I adapted depending on what period of you know, what mm-hmm. I'm going through at that time. So right now I don't do as many of those steps just because I've been training for some competitions lately. Right. So I work out for, you know, quite some time in the morning, but uh-huh. I still do some of those steps. And then once those conversations go away, I'll start doing some more stuff. But bottom line is getting up early and putting uh-huh. myself first. Like, you know, what time do you get up typically? Four thirty. Four thirty. Yep. Is that every time? Yep. No matter what day it is. Yep. Uh, Saturday and Sundays, I get up at six. Okay. Yep. Okay. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Depending, you know, if I get back from a competition, I'll take a week off. Gotcha. What, what, yeah. what time do you go to bed? Yeah, 10. that's a question we never ask. Yeah. Ten, ten thirty. Ten, ten thirty. Yeah. yeah. Should be nine, nine thirty. Get some good sleep, but yeah, right. it doesn't always happen. Huh. So what else do you do in your morning routine? So you get up early, yeah. uh, you so exercise. If I, if I, yeah, I exercise. I'll come back. I'll meditate for five to ten minutes. Um, I've not been reading like I should in the morning. Do you do guided meditations? No. Or do you just kind no, of sit focus there? just on my breath, yeah. Okay, just okay. Yeah, I've done a lot of them. I've done several different apps, Headspace, yeah, Calm. I've, I've read Headspace. books. Yeah, and they're good. Um, I, I just, for me, it's just clearing my mind. Just it's just silence. Yeah, it's yeah. just being able to realize when I'm being distracted by something and what to do at that moment. So, gotcha. Um, it really does affect my stress level a lot. Mm-hmm. So when I don't do it, I see my stress going back gotcha. down. So they're directly correlated together. Um, I don't do as much visioning and affirmations as I used to. I probably should pick that back up. Um, like I said, I work out more in the morning. So my, that time frame, you know, yeah. it used to be very rigid. I'd get up at 4.30. I'd meditate for 10 minutes. I had my affirmations. I'd read for 20 minutes. Um, I did some visualization, and then I went and worked out for 45 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And now I get up and I go work out right away. Mm-hmm. Usually it's an hour to hour and a half. And I come back whatever time I have left is what time. Well, you allocate yeah. to those other yeah. options. Because I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old yeah. that need to be woken up after that. And I know how that yeah. is. It's like, and once they're up, it's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's game on, right? <laughs> yeah, I understand. So, cool. Um, let's talk. Now let's, get, let's hop back into the, the business side of things. Yeah. What about for your business? Yeah. What do you feel has. Routine meetings significantly made a big difference. So <clears throat> every week we have, so if you're familiar with the OS, they have what's called the L10 meeting, right? So you, it's supposed to be leadership level, um, but in the, our organization, is, you know, we leave like maybe one person out, right? And uh-huh. so it's the whole team comes together every every week for 90 minutes, and it's our opportunity to see, one, are we on, tr- you know, have we built the traction? Are we on pace to meet the goals we've set? And then two, to just, you know, take care of issues. Right. Uh, so through reviewing a scorecard every week and reviewing our previous week's to-dos and then the rocks for that quarter, um, we always have a list of things that need to be worked on. And so we don't always fix it there, but we find the solution during the next 90 minutes and then say, okay, John, you're going to run with this next week and next Monday Report uh, let's back. talk about, you know, what, what were you able to accomplish or whatever. Um, so that alone has been huge for us. And, and you only do it once a week? Yeah. So we do that for 90 minutes a week, and then we do 15 to 20-minute huddle every morning. Everyone gets mm. – so we have, you know, Lubbock. It's on Zoom. We're all on Zoom and everything. Um, and that just opens up communication. It's not very structured. Uh-huh. It, it is at times like – and so we're always identifying our pain points, like what, what needs to be fixed at that moment. So gotcha. sometimes we've we got to be structured because sales is lacking or whatever, the, whatever it might be. But it's just an opportunity to build that culture. Everyone's there, present communication hey 
who needs what from the team, right? I always started with a win, right? Mm-hmm. With some good news to share, all right? And so I got a contract yesterday. I sold a house yesterday or, you know, I won a competition, whatever it might be, right? So it's good news we want to share, start it off. And then, you know, what, what does someone need help with? Johnny wants to say, hey, I, I need, you know, I, I – um, I need that appointment from you yesterday. Right. Point. I don't know what happened to it, right? right. And so we're all here at the table. Let's fix this before we go do, you know, 100 different directions. Gotcha. And then we do the Foundation Friday meetings on Fridays um, to go over processes. Um, so it's just the consistency. So every that. Friday, that's that's the day to go over, like, yep. how can we make our processes even yep. better? Yeah, that's so. the creating efficiencies. Yep. Yeah. That sounds exactly like two-second lean. There's so much correlation to – Have you heard of two-second lean? No. We've got a podcast coming out soon. You'll have to listen to it, but it's okay. basically just like everything that you've been saying, but it's like structured to the T. Okay. It's it's yeah. super good. It like, is. If you like systems and processes, you'll probably like that podcast. Okay. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll listen to it. Yeah. So. I mean, they're all the same, right? If yeah. the more and more you get into what they call them, they call them operating systems, right? Yeah. It's how you operate the business. Yeah. And so you got scaling up and Gazelle and then EOS and yeah, different systems but at the end of the day they're all the same skeleton right and yeah so back to the question like what have i done consistently over the years with business get me where at is that's one of them is the meetings guarding the core values like mm. who do we let on the team being very very protective of our culture um and then keeping the goals in front of you like breaking them down as minute as possible you know not it's one thing to say hey next year i want to do x amount of deals mm-hmm. i want to do 20 deals next year right but let's back that up it's okay so how many is that a week to get that to a week, how many offers do you need to make a day? So you break it so down that far, just like it talks about in traction from like if it's a year goal, yeah. so break it down to a quarterly goal, to a monthly goal, to a weekly, daily, yeah. Yeah. hourly, whatever type of daily, goal. Daily, yeah. 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 You, you so break so, it down so we, to, we've got all on scorecards. So you can give a moment. I can go up. I can look at red and green all the way down and know what needs our attention, what, you know, what's, what's passing, what's good. Man, I would love to sit in on one of your meetings one of these times <laughs> just to kind of see. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. But – uh well, okay. So now, so you're, so now, right now, what is your main focus with your business right now? Um, setting this operations manager up for success. I have, <clears throat> I prevented the business to grow from this point forward. Like I, I'm not the best delegator. And so just doing the daily tasks, I can't do the big things. That's going to get us, you know, more capital or mm-hmm. figure out how to hire more people or build better positions, how to expand to other areas. Um, we do have <clears throat> kind of what we've, view as a franchise model right we mm-hmm. don't we're not going to franchise but if we can take this and and duplicate it elsewhere um it's something we've talked about for years and i think just about anyone who starts out in real estate does 20 30 deals and like hey i can do this all over the place and in reality is you can try as hard as you want but you'll you'll fail like yeah. you will not do as well somewhere else than you do in your own backyard yeah um but mm-hmm. it does get to a point where i can run the team to do it right you know and so How, what made you have the idea to get into texas and start doing that like it, it was just a um, just a rare opportunity. So I was part of another mastermind years ago, and uh, there was a, a couple in there that brought their daughter several times. She's uh, 2021 20, at the time, and and uh, she, I was telling her like how I was wholesaling houses and stuff. And she um, would pick my brain, and we'd meet every 90 days. And I said, "We'll go home and do this." She come back, and so I did this, but I wasn't able to answer all the phone calls because I'm also doing this, this, and this. We'll go do this next quarter. And Kim Buck, oh, yeah, I did this, but I'm, I was just too busy. I don't know how to do all this. And so I realized she, she takes a lot of action, but she's just not organized in the sense of being able to follow up on the, the daily task. But at that time, it was about 2017, 2018, where we had a good lead manager. You know, that position really well-defined and rocking. Um, we had sales reps at that time. We started to figure out processes, like not where we're at today, but right. at the time we kind of understood, like, hey, 
a plus b equals c uh-huh. and um and so we and we were talking about trying to find a new marketing anyway so we just took the opportunity to say hey look if i take care of all your marketing and sell you all the appointments could you go out on the appointments get the contract signed and sell those contracts to other buyers and i'll coach you through all that too and so that's what i did we just so you just brought her in on the team. Yeah, well, it's two different companies, but oh, I, we, we I created see. a partnership. Gotcha. And, and so and that's all it was going to be. It was just like, hey, we'll do some deals together. She mm-hmm. wanted to wholesale and we'll do that. And then now we've got a team down there as well. And um, Springfield kind of serves as a headquarters. So uh-huh. we you know, we run the marketing, we run the finance, we run the lead management. What kind of like, did you guys do like an equity split on that? Yeah, or? It's just 50-50. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what's your main goals for your business here in Springfield? Do you want to wholesale more, keep house like rent rental houses more mm-hmm. flip more houses or what's your goals here i'd like to not wholesale anything <clears throat> we only wholesale necessity and usually that necessity is we're bottlenecked there's right. too many projects they're just sitting there so it just doesn't make sense to wait on a house for six months you know still might make a little bit more money but let's go ahead and and lower our risk let's sell it and then, so if i can get to the point where we can literally rehab everything that we purchased we'd be perfect um, as far as a goal of you know rentals and flips i don't have a finite goal on that um it's just something we take year by year. Um, I mean, this year we want to do 100 deals here in Springfield. Um, we'd like to do 60, 60 to 70 rehabs of those. Nice. And keep 20 new rentals. You know, that was the articulated goal. So we work the math backwards, and we keep 20 rentals, flip 50 houses, and wholesale 30 this year. Nice. So how are you finding most of those deals? Direct mail. So we've uh, been doing direct mail since 2013. Never stopped. Never gave it up. <clears throat> been very good, consistent with that. Um, uh, website leads. So we do the pay-per-click platforms, Google, Bing, just about you know same thing everyone else does. And then uh, about a third of ours come from networking relationships, so the wholesalers, realtors, wow. uh, just people knowing what we do and spring us deals. Gotcha. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, let's see here. I, I want to make sure we're yeah. – got plenty of time um we're not taking too much of your time because i know you got a place to be but uh so what what is the i know we kind of already asked this but like what does the future hold for you like what's what's the overarching goal like is there a spot you're like when i hit that then i'm gonna transition to this or you're not sure yet you're just gonna keep plugging i'm not sure yet i'm i'm unique to the fact that you know people always ask like you know what what's your why you know, why are you doing this, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone says freedom or family, which freedom and family is definitely a driver for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've got to admit, to me, it's just I want to see how far I can go. Yeah. I'm very success-driven, uh-huh. um, like I, accomplishment. Like I, I care less what's in the bank account. Like I uh-huh. really don't. Like I, like it's cool to see how much money the company makes, um, but I just want to see how far the company can go. Right. And so I, I always have a fear of capping that, right? You say, okay, we'll just, you know, do 1,000 deals a year or something, right? Because uh-huh. um, I also – know that we can get halfway there it's going to change it can pivot you know so right. i think the obvious answers would be to be in a true ceo position a visionary position to where the team runs without me the majority of the time i can step in be the strategist and say okay this is the direction we're going and then build more arms to that so you know does that look like property management or realtor or realty brokerage or um uh, I really enjoy the nightly rentals, you know, for mm-hmm. a cash flow investment perspective, I think it's one of the best things out there. So add more to the portfolio. Um, I, I think we can take construction in inside our business at some point, which we kind of talked about earlier. I know it's going to be a big, huge undertaking, but if we mm-hmm. can get that figured out, then the sky is the limit. We can really change a lot of things yeah. with that. So is there a direct answer? Probably not. Um, just to keep growing it until 
I get tired and gotcha. want to stop. If, if someone was interested in doing exactly what you've done, you know, whether it's, you know, starting out burying houses, wholesaling houses and, and building up a business like this surrounded by real estate, what's some practical advice you'd give them? Find, find a local RIA club, meeting, group, community, doesn't matter what it is, a group of guys, girls, it doesn't matter, but find a community that's already doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got to orchestrate it or set it up yourself, that's fine. Um, to figure out what's working in your own backyard and, and build those relationships where you can call up and say, hey, man, I'm just not sure what sh- should I do here. I mean, people will help you all the time for free. Right. Um, you don't have to pay pay for mentorship and pay for that stuff locally, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the reality is the vast majority of people out there offering aren't even qualified to really have an opinion at that point. So, yeah. so find that community that can uh, you can surround yourself with. Um, you can research, but it won't go so far. I and mean, you can get on bigger pockets and you can go back and forth why wholesaling is a good thing or a bad thing all day long. And by the end of the day, you're, you're more confused than what you started, right? Uh-huh. Um, everyone's got their different practices and opinions, but the local community uh, taking action. So um, I'm, I'm coaching one of my best friends through this right now. He's in down in Arkansas, and he's on his second house right now. And, uh, and we talk almost daily, and every time it seems to always go back to your goals. Like, uh-huh. what do you want out of this? You know, for him, you know, for me, I just want to – build something big right, right. and um and I, I do want to cash heavy operations you know a business that spits off a lot of cash not just right. for me but because i really have this drive to impact others and yeah. i know the power i can use for that for him he just wants some time with his family yeah so he does not want to do what i'm doing by by far you right. know um so i've had to keep reminding him because well i think i'm gonna do this and this but yeah is that gonna serve the your reason goals. why you're quitting your job yeah. right and so it's just having clarity on what you want out of this knowing it's going to change and it'd be okay it's going to change but for short term like are you wanting freedom then maybe you're just buying one or two houses this year, um, buying at a discount to where the cash flow is enough to start offsetting your income. If you want a business that's going to work for you and you can build like generational wealth, then you're going to have to dig deep and work 80 hours a week right. and, and, and start orchestrating a team around you that's going to do heavy volume. That's that's probably a good thing to probably ask almost daily. Like, is this serving my goals or my purpose or not? Yeah. Because I, uh, I can tell you how many times I've got distracted by stuff that didn't serve. Yeah serve me and i probably still do you know what i mean well I, th- I think a lot of people too that start a business that don't really know the ins and out of a business get out of their job thinking that hey i'm going to build this business and i'm going to have a ton of money and a bunch of free time and i think you really hammered a point there that if you want to build something you're going to have to put in the time and, yeah. and grind and, and make it happen it's just not going to come on yeah. its own and they're all processes i mean it's not bitcoin over here you can't just <laughs> invest something and next year be a millionaire i mean it, it takes a lot of work to to get Anywhere to where you can feel like you've gained progress in life. Um, and just being clear on the direction of it, because if, if you don't know where you're going, it's not serving there, you're going to get, you're going to build resentment a lot sooner mm-hmm. and you're going to get frustrated over it. And um, it's going to slow you down. I would like to ask and transition a little bit here to back to the, the team thing. What do you feel like is one of the most important qualities to find in key team players? Like, is there one quality you're like, man, if they, have this one quality i'm like I, i'm per, i'm great i got a couple um so it's it's one of two for me can i share two yeah okay absolutely. so one's hard working hard mm-hmm. work is one of my personal core values is one of core values of our company like, uh-huh. like i i can't be around someone that doesn't work hard not just work hard but wants to do the best of whatever they do mm-hmm. um they kind of go hand in hand um and so I, I like I said earlier, like I can coach anyone to do just about anything in our business uh-huh. if they're willing to put in the work. So if they're not, then there's not going to be a fit. 
Um, the second thing is ownership. Um, I've been very fortunate to attract people that have been previous like management roles, mm-hmm. ownership roles, um, where they didn't like the corporate feel uh-huh. to it. You know, their voice wasn't heard. Um, they didn't have direct impact on the goals or on the issues. Um, they were forced to do whatever they're going to do each day. Uh-huh. But they had this capacity to rise. I and mean, they could be entrepreneurs if they wished. You know, I've had a conversation with each and every one of them. They just don't want to be an entrepreneur, but they still want to be respected as the competent person they are. Right. So bringing these people on and treating them like the managers they are. So every every person in my company attends our quarter meetings. Like the last quarter, they set the goal before I even said a word. Right. And I did that intentionally. I said, you guys set the goal. And they actually had a meeting before we even started the quarter meeting. So they had a meeting for the meeting and they already had it ironed out and I approved it. I said, that's right where I wanted to be and it's good. Let's, let's work now. Guys, what are the issues? And, and so give them the ability to um, take ownership in that position. So if someone's looking for a nine to five and uh, it's hard to figure those people out, but mm-hmm. a lot of people are pretty honest about that. Like, hey, I just want to work for nine to five. I want a job that I enjoy and I want to go home and be with my family. That's fine. I want someone's going to show up like, can be, you know, upset if we're not hitting our goals. Yeah. And my whole team is. If we're not hitting our goals, they're they're upset. Like, um, they're so upset with each other. You know, and, and in a healthy way, and we hold each other accountable and, and fix it. So, That's cool. So hard working and ownership. It sounds like you've got a pretty good culture you've created yeah. with your with your company. Yeah. Do you when you have, and you probably haven't even had this situation. It sounds like maybe if you've built such a good culture, but when it comes to like. Um, a difficult situation with an employee and stuff. Now is your operations manager, is he stepping in and having those conversations now? Yeah, that's going to be um, his, his responsibility. And he kind of took that over day one. Oh, and he, really? he has a lot of, he's got 12 years of experience in management. Oh. And so like, he understands people, leadership, how to handle situations. Uh-huh. Um, I would handle it in the past, but now it's going to be his responsibility. Yeah, have you had a very high nice. turnover rate with employees since you have a pretty tight culture? Uh, in sales, yes. The rest of it, no. Um, I've got... Uh, two girls have been with me for three years. We're going on three years. So two and a half, almost three. One that's about ready to hit her one-year mark. And then the sales, are, they come and go. Uh, right. It's just the, it's the, nature the nature of the beast. beast. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard. It, it's, it's kind of funny because we hire salespeople and get disappointed when they're not who they are when we hire them, right? Uh-huh. Or they're not doing what they think they could have done. Uh-huh. But then we don't realize we just hired a salesperson. Yeah. So what point during your sales process or your interview process were you being sold? Sold, exactly. Right, so, so I'm building this process of being able to pierce through that, but it's not perfect. Yeah. Right. And so um, it's, it's just a weird position to hire yeah. for. And and our, our job's hard. Like it's it's not, you can't say go from one dealership to next dealership. Like I sold cars down the street here and uh-huh. do really good. I know how to do this. I just need a better culture. Right? You just can't yeah. go out there and find someone that buys houses. I come from a door-to-door sales world yeah. uh, for pest control. Okay. And uh, – it's hard because like it's so competitive even like with other companies because like salesmen are usually high achievers and they usually are looking for the next greatest and best you know yeah. higher commissions blah 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 yeah. blah um so yeah salesmen come and go it's right. crazy well even looking at <clears throat> the predictive index one of the, one of the, the profiles that most people hire for that have the tendency to hire for um, we have this thing called a how precise they are. Uh-huh. It's, it's the one of the variables of that. And um, the more flexible they are, the more they're like, oh, let's just get this done and go on to the next thing versus are they precise? Like, do they want the buckets, all the, the tasks to line up and mm-hmm. stuff? And then is their, um, how driven are they? So are they very driven, squirrel, got to do something new, 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 or are they very steady? Like, that's where, like, that example, like sales rep in a 
bookkeeper or two uh-huh. different people, right? Yeah. Bookkeeper can do the exact same thing day in and day out. So exactly right. <laughs> Sales rep, you know, wouldn't last two hours doing that. Right. Um, so if you, if you see those two behavior tendencies that most people look for anyways, then you shouldn't be surprised that they want something new all the time and they're not doing things fully to your expectations usually. And so in your eyes, you're not doing a good job. Right. And so that's where you get a lot of turnover. So if you can actually seek out someone that wouldn't normally fit the sales mold itself and uh-huh. probably has a higher preciseness and they, they can be a little more steady, you still want them to be driven so they go out there and generate their own leads and, uh-huh. and have the drive to talk to people and be in difficult situations. Um, it just starts to make sense a little. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a balancing act yeah. right there. Huh, that's crazy. So what was that, what was it called again, the, the assessment? Predictive index. Predictive, Predictive index. index. Yeah. I need to take that. I'm just out of curiosity. <laughs> um, that's sweet. John, do you have any more questions you want to ask him? I feel like there's so much more we could ask you. We got plenty um, of time. We got plenty We're of time. Good. So let's keep going then. I'd like to jump into some real estate stuff. All right, let's let's go into real estate stuff. So how are you managing all the houses that you have right now as far as like renovations go and stuff? I know we talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit before, but how are you how are you keeping all your ducks in a row on that end? Yeah. Um I wish my ducks were in a row. It doesn't feel like it. Um I have a project manager that's absolutely kicking butt at it. Uh, he manages three crews right now that we are pretty consistent with now. We've gone through crews like crazy over the years, and uh, we've kind of d- dialed it down to three that are kind of stuck with us. And then we have a huge list of subcontractors for like painters or drywallers, roofers that um, we go to. So these these crews are only doing the labor side of like the framing, the demoing, getting it prepped for your MEPs, and then they do the post drywall. They they finish the house out. Gotcha. Um, so he handles them on a day-to-day basis. We usually talk once a day, once every other day. To you know, he'll call me and say, "Hey, two or three decisions I need you to make quickly." But he's my full authority to make decisions. Like he he knows exactly what our expectations are, and I trust him. I'd rather make a decision and maybe not be exactly what it lined up, but he made the decision yeah. move forward instead of holding the project up. Right. So he's he does a really good job at that. Um, and then we meet once a week for an hour, hour and a half, and find comb through every project we have you know what's the budget where we out in the budget what's the timeline we're at in the timeline what's happening this week what's going to happen next week we take notes of it and so every week we're just referring back to that like are we doing what we said we're going to do that's helped out tremendously we started about six months ago and it's made a big difference what we're working on right now is um getting a good gauge because cash flow is so huge and it's easy to buy you know 20 houses i'm going to flip all 20 of these houses had the funds to be able to do it. You got the crews that can be able to do it. You know, the, know how to be able to do it. But if you only do five of them at a time, that's 15 houses just sitting there. And if you don't have money coming in to pay for your marketing and your employees and everything, you bottleneck. And that's the problem we have right now. It's, so how do we time these out to where we know roughly we could do eight to ten projects at once and they're taking three to four weeks, then anything we have is going to be the income, the revenue is going to be realized for you know 12 to 20 weeks, whatever. Right. So that's the next step. Um do you have a process or system for how you manage your money? Because um, John and I have talked about this quite a bit. When you get a lot, and I don't even, ha- I'm not even at the scale that you're at, right? Oops, that you're at. But like, I sometimes I'm like, crap, where's the money yeah. going? Like, some of it's going here, some of it's going here. Do you have a system for the way you structure your yeah. money? Well, we could talk another hour on that. That's a that's a whole <laughs> podcast right there. I could um, be on. I could be on that game right. Maybe there. give us a brief summary. Yeah, yeah, I will because um, I mean, uh. 
I, I definitely got punched in the face big time about two years ago because we grew so fast. It's so easy to get in here and do 20 deals and feel like you're on top of the world and just start throwing money away. It's just mm-hmm. you think you're in a building. You don't have the infrastructure. It just goes away overnight. And uh, most of us don't check our bank accounts. Right? We're too busy getting contracts or managing people or doing projects or whatever. Um, and you get this notion that money's coming in. You see the checks, you're depositing, but you don't really know what's going back out. Mm-hmm. There's a good book called Profit First. Okay, I've read this book. Okay, and that's how I've structured my business. But I haven't read the full book. I just briefly scanned it and was like, okay, I think I got the idea of this book. (laughs) Sorry, let's read the full book. Yeah, let's let's talk (laughs) about it though. So um, we we implemented that a couple years ago, and through that process, we realized we were just about ready to go broke. I mean, dead broke in our operating business, not our rentals, but just our basic operating business. And uh, what we come to realize is years, like five or six years of frustration. Like we're not profitable. Like we're doing all these deals. We're growing, we're getting better and better and better. And uh, why are we not profitable? Like, why are we not feeling the profit? It was because we never took it off the table. Uh huh. And so if I made a dollar, I went and spent the dollar. If, if I spent the dollar, I made $2, went and spent the $2. The $2 making $4 and went and spent the $4. Right. And it's just, there was, we didn't create a profit margin in there. Uh huh. It's just, we looked at the profit says how much we spent. And of course you're going to spend that. So turning that upside down has helped. So, um, setting out parameters like, hey, for every dollar that comes in, I'm going to put aside for profit, owner draws, taxes, operating, lender escrow, charity goes through. So, did there. you structure your bank accounts just like it talks about in profit? Yeah. Firstly, you have like a revenue account, operating expense account, tax account, yeah. profit account, yada, yada, yada. Between all my entities, I probably have 25 ish bank accounts. <laughs> Yeah. Huh. yeah, I get confused with like three. Yeah, well, that's where it, it yeah. becomes important to start being organized. So, like, I have a very strict schedule of on the tenth and twenty fifth each month. I go through them. I got the sheet because to me, it's just the organizing. Like, did I check each box and mm-hmm. you know, to reconcile everything and uh, pay off the credit cards and stuff? Um, so, um, that right there is huge. The profit. Make sure you know what your money is, what your company is making, and taking that profit off the table. And then it kind of forces you to work off of a smaller amount, you know, mm-hmm. so whether that's, you know, 70%, 90%, it doesn't matter who, what you are, what you do, but take something and say, this is the only operating expenses I'm going to look at. And then naturally your profit starts to grow from there. Mm-hmm. So that's big. Um, for me, I uh, do a cash flow analysis every single week. <clears throat> so I go there um, every week I sit down and say, what did I make in the last 90 days? Mm-hmm. What I spend in the last 90 days? And what was their net income for the last 90 days? And then I look what is the revenue on the book for the next 30 days? Like what is, has a scheduled closing date? Like uh-huh. this is true, true going to close. Not like, Hey, we just got this house on contract. I think I'll make 10 grand on this next three right. days. No, it's like this house is closing tomorrow. And then I, I figure out the revenue from there. Um, trying to do off the top of my head. So yeah, the revenue. And then I divide the third, the, the 90 days by 30. So I know mm-hmm. my average monthly spend. I take that out. Um, I calculate what's coming in from Texas. So uh-huh. I funnel into one account. Um, and then I calculate, uh, any cash I have in the deals. So a lot of deals I have my own cash in. Uh-huh. Um, and so like, if I, I'm going to make 20,000 on this flip, but I've spent 20,000 rehab, that's actually 40,000 money coming into the, right. the bank. Um, and so I, I, I figured that all out. So I know where I start, where I end for the next 30 days. And then I, I really keep track of two specific numbers, profit margin. So it's a profit margin going up or down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, runway. So runway to me is. At the end of that 30-day period, if I divide it by my month average monthly spend, uh-huh. how many months can I go without making another dollar? Mm. And so those two numbers are very important. So it's, it's a process. It takes me an hour. It, I slow down, go through everything, make sure everything's good. I've got a spreadsheet every single week I can look at it. And then um, at the end of it, 
you know, I just want to make sure we have the right runway. And that dictates what I can focus on that week. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, so if the runway's been going down, if the, if the net income for next month is, is low or something, then I'm going to go deal heavy this week and jump in and say, okay, what do I need to do? All this list of stuff as an owner I should be doing, you can step aside. We need to get in here and make some money. Right. If we're looking really good, then all that stuff steps aside, and then I'll go do the stuff that an owner should be doing. Can we? I want. I would like to talk a little bit more about this, just yeah. just so people can understand it, because I think it'd be kind of confusing. So, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You have let's just say, call it your revenue account. Yeah. Every money that comes in from your business goes into that account. Yep. Then what you do from there is you automatically from I don't know if you have it set up automatically no. or you have to physically go yep. in and take. So, how often do you do this? Every month. Yep. So. I'll slow down. Just explain it. Sorry, I, I no no. I breeze through things really quickly. No, no, you're and, good. You're yeah. good. I, I just know that like people like me that are slow. <laughs> okay, it takes a little bit more time. So so I have one account that I name it the income account. So okay. everything that we deposit goes into that mm-hmm. that account on the tenth and the twenty fifth of each month. So they're fifteen days apart. Mm-hmm. Um, for no rhyme or reason, just that's what the that's book said, and so yeah. I did tenth and twenty fifth. <laughs> it could be weekly. It could be once a month. Really, whatever your business can with, mm-hmm. withhold. Um, so on the 10th, I will literally log in. I create a banking worksheet. <clears throat> so I have a list of all the bank accounts uh-huh. um, for each entity. And then I log on to the bank and I see what's in the income account. Let's call it you know, $10,000, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then I will put 78% of that. So that's 7800 into my operating account. It goes mm-hmm. into the operating account. 5% of that, so five, yeah, 500, right? Doing math right? 10000 Yeah. So 500 goes into my profit account. Those are funds that I can use at any point in the future. So oh, I guess let's, so what percent of your profit are you from the income account? What percent are you allocating to yeah, uh, profit? That's what I was saying. So 5% goes into profit. Okay. 5% goes into owner draw. Okay. 10% goes into taxes. Okay. 2% goes into charity and the remaining goes into operating. It's so funny that you said 10% goes into taxes because, okay, the reason why I'm glad you're talking about yeah. this because I did a TikTok video uh, talking about this. Uh-huh. It's like one of my, it's got like over 100,000 views. And I just literally talked about the basics of setting the profit first formula okay. up. And people commented on there and they're like, 10% taxes, that's crazy. There's no way, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you guys don't understand real estate, first of all. Uh, second of all, you must have a bad account. Because yeah. like, it's, it was just funny because people started like, you, you need at least account for like 20 five percent or you know something like that well it's 10 percent of your revenue right and there's a difference between revenue and net income right so if you're saying so <clears throat> most tax brackets are going to land anywhere between 25 and 40 percent of your net mm-hmm. income right but if you back it up so i had to back it up and say okay where's my profit margin at and 10 percent 10 percent is not quite high enough i should probably be at 15 uh-huh. percent but they're they're confused this, yeah this of your revenue not your net profit right right, right. yeah so anyway so go back yeah continue to go so five percent so. profit five percent under draw 10% taxes, 2% charity, and 78% operating accounts. Gotcha. So now, how are you How are you funding most of all your deals? Because I know you have a ton going on right now. Yeah. How are you finding funding? Private money, hard money, how are you doing it? Vast majority is private money. Okay. So uh, just people that I know and trust that have, you know, savings account, retirement account, whatever it might be that, you know, they lend on the deal. So they'll pay for, they'll lend on the purchase price and rehab. We close with a tile company, they take a deed of trust or a mortgage in a, in a promissory note. Then we take those funds, purchase the house, and we rehab it, and we pay them off once. Either refinance into a rental or we sell the house as a, as a flip. Um, we use some hard money to bridge the gap. You know, it's a, it's a balancing act, keeping mm-hmm. everyone happy. Um, and then a couple lines of credits, and then I sell fun when, when I need to. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Nice. I say ninety percent private money. Is it hard to find private money? Not, not. I say no, um, but I've been. Mine's a lot through relationships. So a lot of my private lenders have recommended other private lenders. Um, it seems like you know the more I post on Facebook, the more people come to me and say, "Hey, I got this." You know, even if it's just twenty or thirty thousand, yeah. you know, it's still something. So. Uh, there's times where I have to be intentional about it and go and start building relationships or asking, um, but it's never been a challenge. It's probably not hard if you're continuously talking about what you've got going on, what you're doing, because then people are going to start asking questions or like, how can I get in on this? But talking about what you're doing all the time is hard too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It it, it takes effort, but I don't think it's hard as people realize to to find the money. Yeah. I think that's what separates like the big wigs from guys starting out. Cause like, I know when I first started out, cause like I was doing the standard putting 20% down on a property, yeah. you know, that's how I got started out. Yeah. Cause like learning how, you know, I never had done a burr, never like knew how to get money or raise money or any of that kind of stuff. So it was kind of, it's like outside your comfort zone. So you just do what's comfortable. Yeah. But once you kind of like figured out, you're like, Oh, this is really not that hard. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing with everything. Like, yeah. Like it's so, and of course when you're starting out, like no one wants to, it's not that no one wants to lend to you when you're starting out, but you're desperate. You know, and you, you approach them differently than you do when you've done a few deals and you're kind of a, an established investor. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a completely different conversation. And it's, and it's understandable. It's the same thing as you go to a bank for your first rental property. They're going to question you, and there's a good chance they're going to tell you no. You know, I went to 13 banks, my first rental property, uh-huh. right? Um, and I, I get a couple calls a month from different bankers. They say, hey, I heard you're doing rentals. I'd love to be your lender. So it's just, <laughs> it, you know, it, it changes over like time. a good problem it, to it's have. It's horrible. It's rough, man. <laughs> got to turn people down um so it's the same thing with private money or anything else you know you just got to build it up same thing like 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 cruise right like if i went out there and and approached a gc and said hey i'm going to start buying rental properties you want to be my gc um he's probably not going to do it the prices make sense because you know he he sees right through you and um he he wants to make sure if he's going to take this opportunity it's gonna be worth it right but you know the guys that work for us they know they have continuity like they know they got deals coming they know that paycheck's being paid like it's a different conversation yeah uh, we only got 15 minutes left with okay. you, man. So I want to wrap up here. Yeah. Um, and maybe we can get you back on. Cause I think we can get more, more out of you. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it's like free mentorship here. <laughs> um, John, is there any real estate questions you want to ask before we move on to the final three? How long you want to stay? <laughs> <laughs> He's only got 15 minutes. No, um, I, uh, no, I think this was a good start. I think we should have him back on probably. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So I, I failed to email you these questions to prepare you. So, I'm just gonna be fired I'm, from the hip, but I think you'll do all right. I'm a good BSer. Okay, so. good. I'll make <laughs> something up. Salesman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so th- we call this the final three. We okay. ask every guest that comes on these these last three questions. So the first one is, what's the most recent book you've read, and what's one thing you learned from it? I'm finishing Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. That's a good one. Um, <clears throat> what did I learn? Apparently nothing. Um, <laughs> It's an audiobook, so I, I don't do well with audiobooks. It's something I've picked up recently, so I don't retain as well mm-hmm. in written books. Um, let's do the last book I've read, Physical Read, is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. <clears throat> and it talks about this a pyramid of dysfunctions that lead to lack of results. And so it starts with um, trust. And trust isn't the trust that we think trust is. Like, are you telling me the truth or are you lying to me? Trust mm. is um, the ability to be candid and vulnerable without any repercussions, fear of repercussions. So mm. I learned that. And then uh, the next thing is, you know, once you have trust, you have healthy conflict. But if you can't have that conflict, then you don't have what's called a commitment or buy-in. Mm. So if we're working on a project together, we don't trust each other to be transparent with each other, um, then we're not going to engage in a healthy conflict, which could include arguing, and it's uh-huh. totally fine, or a debate. If we don't debate it out 
and you don't feel like you were heard, I heard your point of view, and we made a decision based on what I want, then you're not going to commit to that, which is the mm-hmm. third one. So um, if you're not going to commit to it, then we can't hold each other accountable to that. I can't come to you and say, hey, you said you're going to do the X, Y, Z, but you didn't do it. Well, yeah, because you weren't bought in. You didn't commit. It's um, commitment versus compliance. You're complying at that point. Right. right? And then the final thing is if we're not holding each other accountable, then we're not going to get the results that we're looking for. So we have lack of results. So that's the whole book. Yeah, that's In good. 30 I, seconds. I would like to read that. That's sweet. The Dysfunctions of a Team. Five Dys- Dysfunctions. Five, five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yeah. Awesome. We probably both need to read that. Yeah, probably. That's good. <laughs> uh, what's one principle you strive to live your life by? I do the best at absolutely everything I do. Like literally every single thing I do, do the best. Um, no matter how trivial it is, you know. You know, if I'm cleaning out my garage, it's going to be the cleanest garage on the block. You know? <laughs> if I'm running a business, it's going to be the best business in town. Like, I just, everything I do, do the best I can. Gotcha. Where did, I, you know, I know we, we brought this up in the podcast, but where did that come from? Like, do you think I it's have like. no idea. It, did it start in the military? Because, like, you no. know, sometimes the military, is, you know, brings no. some of that out of you. But no, I was a perfectionist all my life. Really? And I just, it's a, it's a, it's a disease. Are you, are you <laughs> a pretty <laughs> addictive person? Like, when you get onto an idea, you're, like, addicted to that one to idea? To ideas and stuff? Yeah, like I'm, a, I'm obsessed. So, when I, when I go in on something, I go in on it. And I got to be very careful because, you know, I've got my family. I got my, I, I compete in shooting competitions. I got my business. And, like, <clears throat> to be 110% each of those really means I show up at 70% in all those. So I got to be very careful with that. Yeah. So, yeah, to say I'm addicted or obsessed to anything I commit myself, but it's always been there. It's, yeah. Ever since I was little, like, I just have always had high standards for myself. Uh-huh. I think my mom did a really good job raising me with high standards. You know, she saw what I was capable of and didn't accept anything less of that. So maybe there's some aspects of there. Once again, if you look at my predictive index, you actually yeah. see I have a very high D, so I want everything to be very precise but i have a very high a which means i'm very assertive and i have a very clear vision i just don't take anything less than that is d just like what it is on the disc assessment is like no don't, okay no they're all right because i'm yeah. high d too nope, nope. That, that's <laughs> similar to your yeah <laughs> just kidding, no. and that's similar to your your a and predictive index, like how assertive how dominant you are mm-hmm. um and so for predictive predictive index it's like how much you want to leave your thumbprint on something versus mm-hmm. the, the other extreme is collaborative so are you independent or you collaborative well, i'm very independent because i have visions in my head and i'm the guy that gets upset when it doesn't play out exactly the way i expected mm. and i was like getting when i was yeah, and i see my son now like he's playing with something and the toys aren't staying up just right he gets mad throws in the mirror where i was that when i was growing up too yeah that's how so we just have a is, yeah it's crazy yeah <sighs> poor girl <laughs> <laughs> poor p- parents actually what is one of the great <laughs> what's one of the greatest pieces of advice that you've been given i butchered that one <laughs> greatest pieces of advice man that's a good question i've not thought about it <clears throat> you know what my mind keeps going back to and i don't know if there's advice it's just something visually i remember it goes back to what i said but my stepdad had this piece of paper in our garage years and years ago i mean i was early teens and it said if anything's worth doing it's worth doing well and it kind of goes to hand to hand what I uh-huh. said earlier, but for some reason it's always stuck with me, always. Really? Um, so he didn't give me the advice, but he hung it there. I don't know why he hung it or why it was there, but, uh-huh. um, but, I mean, I think, I don't know if I can use that as an answer. But. Yeah, I like that. If something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Yeah. My wife and I were actually kind of talking about this concept the other day. Is like I think if your environment plays a huge role mm-hmm. on a lot of things. Um, and if you like grew up in a house and you have certain visual cues and different quotes or whatever that you remember as a kid, I feel like they can play yeah. a role in, in some of the decisions you make. Well, it's but, crazy because I don't remember there being a bunch of quotes 
was young. It wasn't like he had quotes laying around. But uh-huh. for some reason, it was there. I have no idea. I've never even asked him. I, I will later. <laughs> Next time I talk to him, I'm actually going to ask him. Yeah. And it's something I haven't thought about him for a very long time. Um, so it's weird. I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, where can people find out more about you, Andrew? I'm on Facebook. I'm active on Facebook, active on Instagram. Just search my name, you know, Andrew Newland on Facebook. I think, uh, what do you call it? What's the, the at sign Ooh. on Instagram? Yeah. yeah. It's my last name, underscore. Okay. first name and uh that's about it perfect and we'll leave links in the description okay. so people can find you that way yeah dude thanks for coming on yeah. the podcast this yeah. was awesome we'll yeah. definitely have to have you back you're on. welcome thanks, i'd love man. to yeah appreciate it till next time thank you for listening to the growth circle podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes in the meantime connect with jake and john on instagram at jake Ingledew and at John underscore the underscore builder. Until next time.